Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And today I am in the studio with Jordan Sugar Carlsgard. Ooh, mouthful. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a long name. <laughs> it's a great name, though. Thank you. Um, who is the executive assistant to the CEO and co founder of Airbnb? one of the world's most recognizable brands and, of course, this this incredibly disruptive organization that has forever changed how we travel, how we vacation, how we navigate, how we, how we congregate. It's just been, I mean, really um, massively game-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, Jordan will discuss some of the pivotal moments in her career that led her to be where she is today. And uh, at the same time, offer some advice to those of you who are up and coming executive assistants who are hoping uh, to land in a similar place at some point and, and wondering, how can I take ownership over my career to eventually reach a similar, um, a similar status or a similar level? So to get us started, um, maybe you can just share kind of high level some of your background and how it was that you landed in the executive support field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. I went to Colorado State University. I thought I would never leave. Um, I love Colorado very much. But after I graduated, I uh, interned for the then governor of Colorado, Bill Ritter, in his press office. And my parents had always been politically involved. So it was part of my life. But I didn't really understand like, what makes up a political office? And like, what does everyone do to support this person? Um, And so I had this internship and it just totally turned me on to being a part of the hustle and bustle of a high profile office and supporting um, a political figure in that case. Uh, And I loved it. And I was like, let's take this to the next level. I'm going to move to D.C. I honestly had never even been to D.C. So (laughs) I went once before I moved there and thankfully had a really good friend who was living there. And she was able to show me around. And I had set up a couple of networking meetings from people in the governor's office that knew people in the um, congressional offices for members of Colorado. And so I just, I had a bunch of meetings and I think it was super vulnerable and I was really nervous. And, but I knew that I wanted to be there and I wanted to try something different. And you work in small teams in the congressional offices. You have a really small budget to work with. So everyone takes on a lot of tasks. And, and for me, it was like such an, an interesting look as to what do these people do to support this woman? I mean, it's a really robust operation with not a lot of people. Um, So you've got to be really creative and really savvy and quick thinking, and you're dealing with really sensitive legislation and constituents who feel differently, and there's a lot of emotions, um, and every day looks so different. And I just, I loved that feeling of like, what is going to happen today? So that was kind of my my first take into a support role and it was, you know, supporting a full office. Yeah. But I I just I really liked being on hand to help. 
Um, and that's also where I discovered the director of scheduling position. This was just insight into how strategic you have to be to support somebody that is running a district mm-hmm. for a state. And um, well, I I mean I agree. I I feel like sometimes <clears throat> scheduling is the it's sort of like the bastardized element of the EA role. Yeah. Like I feel like it's sort of not. Um, given sometimes the importance and appreciation that it deserves. Completely. Because at the end of the day, unless you're dialed into the business and you really know what is pressing and and pertinent to your executive, you really can't do an effective job at any of that. So it's sort of, it's a tactical manifestation of all of the strategic Mm -hmm. understanding Mm -hmm. that you need to have in order to do your job well. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. and I think it's really where you can find middle ground in supporting your principal is if you understand what their priorities are and there's trust built, then they know what you put on the calendar should align with what they need to be doing and what they've told you is the focus. Uh, the director of scheduling at the time left, and I actually was asked to step into that role and be this congresswoman scheduler. And I just felt like, okay, I'm so type A that this is the job for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can be so controlling <laughs> and organized, and you know. But then it's you know you realize, okay, you you have to let a lot of your type A and controllingness go because. There's a lot of risk in the role, too, and you have to be willing to roll with the punches and really um, be 10 steps ahead of your principal, but also be right there in present time and make adjustments and be quick thinking. But all of that kind of came together, and it was just such a great experience into what would become my career for the last, like, 10 and a half years. Mm -hmm. From there, I went to the other senator from Colorado, his office, and was his um, interim director of scheduling at Michael Bennett and that was really my first like big job like I run the calendar I run this member like I know everything I'm you know I know your family I know the um, official side and the political side for when you're getting ready to run for re-election and and I really got to figure out like how do I want to support somebody like Mm -hmm. the foundation was there with the person who supported him prior to me, but what's our relationship going to look like? And, and I think that's when I started to realize that anyone you support, you're going to have to start from scratch because what the person had before is maybe just not going to be the style that works for you Mm -hmm. um, or the two of you to create this, you know, team. And I never wanted to leave. Um, But she, this woman came back from maternity leave, and so I had to, to move on, and I joined the Obama administration as a political appointee, um, and I was assigned to the Department of Energy to work for the Deputy Secretary of Energy. So there's the secretary, and then there's the Deputy Secretary, and the Deputy Secretary was this amazing woman. Um, she actually lives in the Bay Area, and mm. she's definitely still a mentor to me, and um So I was working at Department of Energy, and uh, the focus is so different from the congressional side that you're really not focused on legislation. You're really focused on diplomatic relations, and so we're doing a ton of traveling. You're putting trips together at the last minute, um, trying to get visas to India, and, you know, you're exposed to a lot of high 
power influential individuals mm-hmm. and other members of the president's cabinet. And, sure. and it's so that position feels more analogous to what you do as a CEO assistant. Definitely. As far as all of the different components. and Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a much bigger organization. Um, the Department of Energy has, you know, thousands of employees and some are career. So they stay on through any sort of presidential transition. And then right. there's political where they come in with an assignment from the current president. Got it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very similar to where I would be at Airbnb, where you just have so many different priorities, so many different teams at asking for time and focus from the principal. So that was, it was a really serious job. And um, I just remember thinking like, you know, again, I don't know anything about energy. I, I feel so lucky to have been surrounded by such amazing individuals on the, the secretary's team because they just made it so easy to like get questions answered and you know again it's like you're starting from scratch and so you're building up that foundation and you're figuring out like what's our style going to be like and for this um for this principal she was very hands-on with her schedule and so we were in sync like 24 7 um and that's not that doesn't really happen with everyone I think you know, there are set ways that principals want to work and hers was just, I want to be able to call you and at like 11 at night and you know what's going on and and we figure it out then. Um, There are other people that are like, I'll figure it out and I'll tell you what I want to do. She was much more collaborative. Mm -hmm. But when the... When the Obama administration ends, all of the political appointees have to go and find new jobs. And so I remember the day after the election... Um, Hillary had uh, lost and um, I was like, okay, well, I have to find another job because literally everyone else in D.C. is going to be looking for mm-hmm. a job right now, mm-hmm. too. And um, that's when I uh, was able to join the then minority whip for the Democratic Party mm-hmm. on the House side, mm-hmm. Steny Hoyer's office as mm-hmm. his director of scheduling and special events. For him, he's considered a member of leadership. So um you know, again, it's like a little bit more heightened of uh, of a role. He's under um, now Speaker Pelosi. He's one under her. Um, we have a security detail. And, mm-hmm. and that was another thing for Department of Energy is I started working with a security detail. And that just adds like a whole different element of logistics and planning and support. Um, so Mr. Hoyer had a detail as well and also running um, special events for all of the congressional members. So it's over, you know, 400 people that have a congressional seat on the House side. And um, every two years you have an election. So it's just it's super fast pace. And um, and it was really, really exciting. And I spent a couple of years with him and then I was approached about joining Airbnb and I think I had always kind of wondered what would it look like for me to leave politics Mm -hmm. and still find the ability to support a principal outside of the traditional roles of like an executive assistant that um, I think it's, it's lesser known now that I'm in tech and supporting a principal as an executive assistant, how much you can do with it. I think, I think a lot of people kind of, unless you're in it, it's hard to understand all of the projects you can take on. You um, you have to be so forward thinking and everyone is really different. And so every time you support someone new, you're figuring out what the best way um, to create that relationship is going to be. So um, I left D.C. 
and moved to San Francisco. And again, like I didn't know anyone here. And mm. I honestly had never even been to San Francisco. Wow. And I spent a lot of time in Southern California, but I think I was just ready to try something different. Mm-hmm. Airbnb was such a captivating, and it is a captivating company um, in transforming the way that we traveled, like you said in the beginning, Jessica. And, um, you know, it is tech, but there's also a really humanizing, tangible part of the company that speaks to me because mm-hmm. I, you know, again, don't have a tech background, have never been on like the engineering side, don't even understand what goes into the platform that Airbnb's created other than we want to sure. get people places and get them yep. get them out and create communities and share and um, explore. And I loved yeah. that because... Um, you know, the, a lot of the issues that you deal with on the political side can just be really draining and really, um, you can feel really disconnected. Um, Airbnb was, it seemed like a great opportunity to be able to join something that, okay, we're not like solving, you know, for world peace and we're not handling like huge issues, but we are trying to get people outside of their element and outside of their comfort zone and um, communicating and just doing something different. Yeah. Well, and in many ways, too, it's kind of democratizing um, how we travel and access to travel mm-hmm. and, and and just the, the thrill of creating an entirely new marketplace and a way of transacting mm-hmm. in a way that, that prior to was completely non-existent and unprecedented and you know I I just think that's a really phenomenal thing like you really are augmenting human experience and and how we explore and and all of these types of things and you know and yes to your point like there's parts of the brand and the company that are super esoteric where it's like I have no idea how the front end and the back end and the developers and the this and that who knows but there's a part of it the, the experience part that I think we all can relate to and, and appreciate on on some level. Definitely. How would you describe your personal brand of support or your philosophy mm-hmm. around what good support is? For me, it's a it's communication, transparency, and consistency. And not consistency in the sense of every day needs to look the same because that's completely unrealistic. It's consistency in like how do we want to work together? Like what can we set up a you know, as we're just starting to work with one another, that is going to stick down the line, um, that we can find the best way for us to communicate on a regular basis and to really have me understand what, where I can be helpful to you um, and just really be involved. And on the transparency side, you know, there's a lot that comes to your desk and that comes through your email inbox and you just have to have that trust and authenticity to to feel like I want to let someone in to handle those pieces of my life and see those things because I know that they're here for all the right reasons and that we're going to work really well together and be able to solve those together and that I can hand off pieces when I need help with something and not have to go back and explain the backstory to it because you already know it. And then also how I work with the teams that surround the principal. Mm-hmm. So when you're supporting at the, the level that you have, whether we're talking about, you know, Brian Chesky or the, the various political um, appointees that you supported, 
obviously, there's a lot of visibility that comes with these types of positions, and with visibility comes scrutiny. Um, so how does that affect you in the role? And also, how does that affect how you conduct yourself mm-hmm. in the role? You know, I'm on the, the front lines of supporting this person, and I need to be able to represent myself like they would want to be represented mm-hmm. and to, you know, to create a, a good, honest image of, of who this person is and how they would want to be received. And so when I think of like days that are especially hard, it's like coming back to just the foundation of like, be nice, be honest, um, and, and be helpful. Um, for me, it's like whether I'm talking to, you know, the most VIP person, high level, um, whoever, or just like a new intern that started two days ago and like is asking for something that I, you know, just honestly have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) And we're going in circles. It's just like, let's just be nice to each other. Like, let's just be patient and let's just take a step back and, um, and, and just try to represent the principal as they would want to be known and seen. Um, and it's not always easy, but I do think that I've been really lucky to work for principals that I truly believe that they're really good people and they set, you know, really high standards for how they operate and how their teams operate. And people on the outside see that and, and you want to keep that reputation going. Um, and so it really is kind of an honor to be able to be in the role of like, well, yeah, let me let me make sure that it's true how they how they would want their team to operate and mm-hmm. how people see them mm-hmm. um, and to really be able to be a resource. Mm-hmm. Like I love when somebody reaches out to me and is like, I'm not sure if you're the right person, but could you help me, you know, figure out this? And, and then we create this great relationship because I was able to be helpful to them and then they can come back to me and um, or Brian or whoever I'm working for at the time. And um, we already have like that, relationship developed that they know that Brian's team can be helpful to them. Right. People are looking to you and there's a lot of um, pressure in terms of how you respond to Mm -hmm. things. You know, you are very much an extension and you amplify whatever's going on. Completely. Um, So how do you, how do you manage that? I mean, and, and right now, I mean, that's the perfect example of like, there's a lot of eyes on, on, on on your boss mm-hmm. and therefore a lot of eyes on you. So it's like, how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I first started at Airbnb, um, everyone told me tech is like the wild west. I was like, well, I'm coming from politics. I do not understand how that's possible. Like they must be equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've learned in the last like year and a half that I have been in tech is politics, those roles, even though, you know, I wasn't really familiar with them coming into like my, the start of my career in politics. Um, it's very institutionalized what people do in the political offices if you're involved with them. So everyone would know what a director of scheduling is. If they're going to reach out to that person, they know how it goes. Um, I think on the tech side, especially with Airbnb being a pretty young company and having really young founders and founders with um, different backgrounds than we see other founders come with. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian's very much a creative. So 
um, his approach to how he uses his time and how he communicates with his company and his team is very different than what I had been used to on the political side. And so it was kind of like the Wild West in that mm-hmm. sense because suddenly I started and everyone's asking for time with him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there's there's just no set standard established right now as to what the priorities look like. And I think the last year and a half has been a really eye-opening experience for me and Brian to work together to figure out how we use his time best mm-hmm. because he does really want to be available to everyone. And I think that's so important. Um but it also makes it really hard to keep things moving on track and on time and to set some boundaries mm-hmm. and to have some consistency um, in how he communicates and, and what he does every day. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, it's still a challenge. I get requests all the time. And I, I really, it's come down to Brian and I just have to talk about it. Yeah. And we just need to figure out how he wants to do it. There's not a set way, unfortunately, that we figured out for handling it. Um, and I think it's probably for the better because that's just Airbnb is, a, you know, much like we want to create the community for travelers. That's how the office functions, too. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has Brian's email. He talks to the company every week. Mm-hmm. Like he really wants to be visible and open. And um, his inbox is definitely cleaner than mine. Like he just takes a lot of thought and effort and energy into making people feel like they belong there, Um, you you know, as junior as they are and as senior as they are. Um, So it's definitely at this moment a case-by-case basis how we work through what his focus is and and dissecting the the requests and and the priorities and the focus. Mm -hmm. So you you gave us a a really great overview of of how you landed in, in the role that you're at today. Um, but if you if you were to think about if there was like a critical or pivotal moment or decision that you made uh, in your career, like as you as you're reflecting back, um, that led you to where you are today, like was there a clear moment where you can you can pinpoint and say it was when I took this step or it was when I made this risk or I made this decision that kind of allowed you to assume the position that you're in today? I feel like they all kind of string together pretty well. Um, You know, I think going all the way back to when I left Denver in the end of 2009 and moved myself across the country Mm -hmm. and and just didn't even know what I was getting into. And I, I thought... I'll be in D.C. for like six months. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. We'll do this internship and then I'll come back. And my bachelor's degree is in journalism with a concentration in public relations. So I was like, maybe I'll go into fashion or something like and do PR for like a fashion house. Um, but I kept getting great opportunities and I and I kept being able to gain momentum to move forward and upwards. It, it didn't it wasn't stagnant. Mm-hmm. Everything I took you know, as my next opportunity felt bigger. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what I really loved about my process. Um, and I think there wasn't like a, a pivotal moment, but what has become like really clear to me is I, I'm not a risk taker, but in my career, I've had to be. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, maybe it wasn't a moment, but there's definitely a theme to yeah. your decision making, <laughs> uh, as I'm hearing you speak today. And I, yeah. if I had to characterize it, 
I would say that the theme is being willing to take risks Mm -hmm. and exist outside of what's comfortable to you. Definitely. And that's consistent with pretty much every single transition that you told us about, whether it was moving across country by yourself, whether it was stepping into an arena that you didn't have any previous knowledge or exposure to, mm-hmm. be it you know the Department of Energy or any number of things mm-hmm. that you did, and then being again willing to come back to uh, San Francisco, a place you'd never been, and try out in a completely different industry. Those were all very big risks that you took. And um, I mean, clearly it's paid off for you, but I think that that's really like um, an underlying theme and and perhaps an underlying, catal- underlying catalyst for how you've been able to achieve mm-hmm. what you have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, risk-taking is not in my <laughs> usual vocabulary uh-huh. on the personal side, but professionally, absolutely. And I think trusting yourself. Yeah. I had to – I was on my own, and I just had to trust that this was going to work out. Um, and it's been, like, such a great adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wouldn't really change it. I mean, thankfully, like in politics with elections, like every two years, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. kind of forced to mm-hmm. think about like, OK, well, if my boss doesn't get reelected, like what am I going to do? Um, and so you really you really have to advocate for yourself. And and I think that's like where having a network comes mm-hmm. in. And I've done and worked for a lot of people um, and with each office that I've been in, I've been able to create this great network and relationships that have continued to look out for opportunities for me. Yeah. So have you ever felt outmatched at any point or maybe intimidated by something you had to do or someone you had to interact with? Um, And how did you plow through that? Yeah. I think starting anything new, it's always intimidating. Um, in politics, I felt like I, you know, going from office to office, definitely um, there's, you know, a six to nine month, you know, hill that you're climbing to when you reach the top of, you know, the six to nine months, you feel like, okay, I get what my job is. I, I have a better sense of what's going on. I know who I'm supporting. Um, I'm still learning, but I at least, you know, grasp the basics. Um And I forgot when I moved to San Francisco after being in D.C. for nine and a half years what it's like to start over Mm -hmm. and be in a different sector and not be public facing and be in a private company. And And not have those connections. And not have the connections Mm -hmm. um, and not know anyone. And I felt like such a fish out of water. And in politics, I had started to learn like who the VIPs were, who the big fundraisers were that we wanted to keep close relationships with, who, you know, the faces of all the members of Congress that you would interact with. And that's always a little intimidating. But you know, your role is solidified. People know what a director of scheduling is. They know they need to be nice to you to get access to like that (laughs) member or whatever Mm -hmm, it is, mm -hmm. you know. But coming into tech, I didn't know who the heavy hitters were. I didn't know who Brian's mentors were. I didn't know who um, his, you know, the the group of founders that he interacts with. And, And I didn't know anyone at the company, like of our executive team and our board members. And so it was really just like, um, I kind of had to take a step back after a couple of months because I had to remind myself, like, 
okay, this is a transition. You, mm-hmm. I thought I would come in, bring all my like scheduling wisdom from DC mm-hmm. and just change Brian's life. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind myself like, nope, we're starting over and I need Brian to learn to trust me so that we can get to a place of creating a process that works for him um, and be like good teammates to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think after like a, a full year, I felt like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I at least know where my desk is um, <laughs> and all of the hiding spots that he runs to in the office when he's trying to avoid uh, any questions that I have. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different concept moving from one sector to the other. And I just had never really thought about it until I was in the thick of it and really made myself take a step back and be like, okay, to enjoy this and to do well here, you have to be a little bit more patient with yourself and and be humble. Mm-hmm. I kind of was like on my high horse of like, well, I was in D.C. So like I've been through it all. And that's especially today with shelter in place and there's always everything more to go that's through. changed. Like there's yeah. just you never know. And so I've had to remind myself for several times like, yeah, this is a, a whole different animal. This is a different Wild West. Right. Um, totally. And other than reminding yourself to be patient with yourself, which I think is so important on so many levels in everything that we do. But other than reminding yourself of that, how did you begin to unpack all that you had to learn in order to get up to speed? Like kind of how did you say, okay, Jordan, here's how we're going to tackle this. Yeah. Ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. Do research. Um, Airbnb has an amazing community. I mean, one of the draws to joining the company was going through the core values interviews. You really get a sense for the people they want to work there. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes you feel as intimidating as it is to start over and to join a big company. You do feel like I get to work with a great team. And it's always hard to be the one that's asking like all these questions that seem kind of irrelevant or really small or like I should know it. I should Mm -hmm. just know what that means um, or I should just know who that person is. But it's also a really great way to create the bonds with your your teammates when you can ask those vulnerable questions. Um, And I, I think before I started at Airbnb, Brian's team was going through this transition of we are such a big company now and we've got a lot of eyes on us and we've got really big plans for the year ahead, but we don't have a lot of consistency in how we work with all of the teams. And when I came in, that was one of the things we wanted to try to work on is fostering these relationships with our internal communications teams and our external communications teams and um, the executive team and all of the different companies within Airbnb, like our homes platform and experiences and customer service um, and trying to align on what protocol was going to look like for Mm -hmm. working with Brian and what the expectations were if you were to get a meeting with him. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to be a part of creating that, helped to answer a lot of questions I had about the company in general and also just learn all of the faces of the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. And when I look back, you know, to a year and a half ago and I'm like, I literally know who no one is. It's, I, it's been a really fun ride to be able to say like, Oh, I know the right person to go to for this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
or we've worked so closely on this project and now we're going to do it again. Um, and also to become a point person for kind of fleshing out details and how Brian likes to work best on certain mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of comes full circle eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard in the beginning, but definitely patience and giving yourself a break and not being afraid to ask questions and seek guidance. Mm -hmm. um, I think especially from, you know, the principal you're supporting, you kind of feel like, well, I should just like know everything. Like I should just be ready to like know everything. And I had to always remind myself like it's okay to tell him like I don't know, but let me find that answer for mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Um, and that has been helpful because he realized like I'm human and I'm not always going to have <laughs> yeah. everything at the ready, yeah. but um, I will come back to you and we can figure it out. Um, and also just that he's, you know, approachable. You definitely want to have a relationship with your principal where I could, you know, run down to him and just be like, okay, really quick, like this is coming together. What do you think? What do you need? Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. we can like have a, a quick hash out of like what the plan is mm -hmm. um, and not feel so nervous to, to be in his, you know, Aura. orbit. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. What do you consider to be one of your proudest moments? As an executive assistant? I think like moving to San Francisco and joining Airbnb, it's kind of like all just this like still kind of like on cloud nine of like, how did I get here? Like, mm -hmm. it still is exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm learning so much um, every day, you know, as an executive assistant looks different. Um, it's hard to say that there's been like one moment so far with Airbnb that has really felt like mm -hmm. an omg thing because mm -hmm. i think it it happens almost daily um and and then 2020 started and you know we had really different expectations for the year and it it's completely turned upside down and so now it's kind of like survival mode of like how do you start supporting somebody remotely um mm -hmm. especially somebody who thrives off of people's energy mm -hmm. and just does so well interacting with his team face to face um so i can't say it's like it's a really positive moment but mm -hmm. it's a really good experience to go through to see like what you're capable of creating mm -hmm. when the circumstances change at the drop of a hat mm -hmm. and maybe the opportunity for for pride is going to come later yeah. I think it's a little too soon. Maybe there hasn't been enough uh, opportunity for reflection and mm -hmm. hindsight to be able to say, wow, like that was crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What we accomplished and how we rallied right. and how we supported each other. I mean, really, we're yeah. we're we're we are truly embodying the essence of what this role is meant to do, mm -hmm. which is, you know, provide that kind of critical, essential vital Absolutely. support and, and now more than ever it's like you really have the opportunity to demonstrate that definitely so what advice do you have for executive assistants who are listening today and saying to themselves i want to do that <laughs> i want to i want to support the ceo of a major major entity or brand or i want to support you know the democratic whip or whatever it might be whoever it might be um what advice do you have for them? What do, what should they do to prepare themselves? Um, and what are some of the rewards and some of the challenges that you think they should also be prepared for? Mm -hmm. Maybe some of the things that they're not anticipating. Sure. I, we touched on it earlier, but 
if it's something that you, you know, are wanting to do and you're nervous of how to kind of dip your toe in and, and start, I mean, take the risk. Um, it eventually, it, it pays off. You either figure out that, like, that's just not what I want to do. That's not who I want to support. That's not how I want to work. Or um, or it becomes a really eye-opening, enlightening um, experiment. Uh, and with that, you you trusted yourself to try something different and hard. Um, so for me, it, it's been risk, risk-taking to get to that level. Um, and with trusting myself and being able to, to sell myself and my experiences and, um, you know, activate this network of mentors and professionals that I really um, have relied on and really appreciate their, you know, assistance and respect them so much. That's, that makes all the difference when you're going after something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then, they're there when it's really hard and you kind of need to step back and reevaluate or you need to ask a question of how should I do this? Like, why, why are they not receptive to, I want to do it this way and it's just not working. And, and they can kind of, you know, go through the motions of Mm -hmm. that with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, risk taking, um, trusting yourself and having a network, Mm -hmm. I think can really create like a, a path professionally that, um, helps you identify what your strengths are and where you want to go. So final question for you, Jordan. If you could support anyone ever, <laughs> who would it be and why? I have to say first, I feel so grateful to have worked and supported the people that I have been able to. Mm-hmm. I just never in a million years would have thought that that was even a possible career path, that these people even wanted to work with me, um, that we would work so well together. So it's hard to think of who else to throw into the mix. Mm-hmm. But I think shelter in place and having like maybe a smidge more time to dedicate towards like my own personal interest and like what's kind of keeping me sane working at my kitchen island right Mm -hmm. now and trying to track down my boss (laughs) from like a distance and, Mm -hmm. you know, personal care and health and wellness are something that I love. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I'm pretty obsessed with Gwyneth Paltrow. So I think, and and Goop and everything that she's created around that. So I think present time, I would love to be like kind of in the back background of how she creates these products and all of the different aspects that she's brought to Goop and this whole lifestyle brand that every time I get an email, I'm like, well, that's essential. I need to look at that like right away. And like, what are the 10 things that she's telling me I should order? Uh-huh. Um, so I think that would be, that would be fun and, and different from anyone else that I've worked for. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for this conversation, Jordan. I really appreciate all of this um, guidance and, and just also just hearing the biography of of you and the decisions that you made and, and how you've navigated and directed your your career in a very conscious way. Um, like we said, like I think there was an element of consciousness, but also an element of risk. Mm-hmm. And I really applaud you for taking those chances. And clearly it, you have a lot of like self-conviction and self-resolve to know that you would flourish no matter what. <laughs> but it's really, it, 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 it's worked, you know. Um, So I think that's a great takeaway for people, you know, that are listening is that, you know, there's sort of the option of playing it safe. And and believe me, there's a lot of great reasons and merit and value to playing it safe. Um, 
But in your case, you know, being willing to take those those chances has really afforded you this whole other world. Yeah, it has. Yeah. It's been it's been a really fun ride. So I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes from here. Yeah. <laughs> Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com. Mm-hmm.